How you doing? I'm good. How has COVID been treating you thus far? I'm still working. You know, well, you don't know. I work at Amazon, so we've been trying to be as precautious as we can, but we're still working. Yeah. Are you like a delivery driver, or are you just uh, like within packaging, or are you like within like? Yeah, I'm with the um with the packaging, uh, sorting and receiving in the warehouse. Gotcha. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Um, so basically my podcast is called Anointed Sinners Podcast, and it's about me, who's a sinner, who's been anointed by God to do, live out her calling. And my calling to me is just having general conversations with people about like what I'm learning or about what I'm reading or whatever. And, um, there's no, like, I chose to do the podcast because I feel like a lot of people think that you have to be like a pastor or have gone to like Bible college or something of that nature in order to like be able to reach people. And it really doesn't take that much out to do that. I think that just having good conversation with people um, could allow them to either to like open up a door for God to be an experience for them that could change their life. So I don't think that it takes that much. Um, So most of my podcast is very unscripted. I typically, the per- first two have been about um, scriptures that I've read or like a teaching that I've heard. But recently I've been reading this book called um, War on Love and it's about a gay activist. And it's been um, by David Bennett. And um, I think, yeah, David Bennett is the guy that's the gay activist. And basically right now in the book, he has, uh, he, he identified as gay when he was younger, and then when he went to college, he uh, continued to interact with other Christians that seemed to be, like, really, like, against uh, homosexuality, and they thought it was, like, a super big sin, so they, like, put them in, like, their own separate category, and um, he continued to, like, like, have an internal battle between either believing in God and dealing with his homosexuality. And then once he uh, he went to a reporter, he some lady he read about uh, was at a bar and he had asked her about her experience and she is about like how she, uh, her, what her relationship with Christ looked like and stuff. And he, uh, she asked, could he pray for him? like in that moment and he did and he felt the presence of the holy spirit and um then he was like wow god must be real like i i I want to know more about him so throughout the book he basically continues to try and learn more about god after that experience like joining churches and going to like uh conferences and stuff like that um but he still struggled with uh same-sex attraction and he never really gave it up until he went abroad to Paris and he was in this relationship with a committed dude. And um, they got to a point where they were like going to have sex and he decided not to um, because he did, he, the way he explains in one of these passages in the book is that basically his relationship with God and the act of obedience to God is more important to him than his same-sex attraction to men. So now in the book, he has committed his life to celibacy. 
So basically, he's like, I'm not denying that I struggle with this sin, but I'm not going to allow my fleshly desires to, like, overcome that. So um, for me personally, um, like, in college, like, I... I don't I don't actually know how we met, but I like do you remember how we met? Because like I know we went to UNC uh, together and like we remember we stayed we stayed in that place. Okay, we stayed in the same apartment complex. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh yeah, nine oh one place. God, that was so long ago. God, that's so old. But yeah, nine oh one place. I don't remember I think I was like out I can't remember was I outside of the basketball court or something and I had seen you guys or something because you put a homegirl a light-skinned girl I don't know she was a stud or something I can't remember yeah Bree uh, um we you know it's funny I actually still talk to Bree we, we we talk on a regular basis like still so yeah me um yeah Bree it must have been that might that makes sense because I meet people like doing things all the time um but mm-hmm. at the time like we all were dating women and like well you know interested in women I don't know if like I, I don't want to speak for you, but I know for me, I, I've i gone through a transition with my relationship with Christ where kind of like David, um, the writer, the author of the book, I went through a period of celibacy um, two years before like I started dating my husband, who actually I've been like best friends with all throughout college, and he like showed interest Aww. way before I had even like decided that my same sex attraction wasn't as important as my relationship with Christ, but he just kind of like, I guess, hang, hung in there um, as a friend. And then um, after my two years of celibacy, like I, I could see what a good dude he was. So I was like, okay, like we'll, we'll date. And now we're married. So that's cool. But um, I don't. yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. But I mean, um, from you, I know we hung out for a, a season and then, we didn't, but we caught up on Instagram a lot. And then um, okay. now I've, I've been watching your transition in your Instagram page, but I really don't know what your story is. So if you could, like, give me some background of, like, what's, where you are with, like, your relationship with Christ and where you might have been, if you can remember, back at 901 Place up until now. Oh, man. I mean, um, oh, man. I used to wild out back then. You know, I had to calm down. I really had to calm down, man. I was really out there doing crazy stuff. Um, for real. Um, I think um, what really like changed my like like what strengthened my relationship with Christ is when my mom got sick. Like my mom always been sick. Okay. Like in college, in college or whatever. But like. Like, when I was 17, like, my mom lost her house, and then she went under the state. So the state took care of her, and she was in the mountains. Okay. So, so when I finally came, when I came, when I, trans- when, I tra- when I transferred to UNC Charlotte, my mom had, like, she had came back to Charlotte, because she was in the mountains for, like, three years. Okay. Never really got to see her. So when she got back, it was like, she was in my ear, like, no, I don't want you to be that way, or, you know, I want you to you know, you know, I want you to be more feminine, you know, I don't, you know, and it's always been, like, something I've always had to, like, battle, like, I mean, I know that I'm not, like, when I was 23, like, when I graduated college, that's when I started dressing as a girly girl again, like, 
I was done with the dry clothes. Um, everything like I was, uh, my mindset had changed. It, you know, we're not, we weren't the same. You know, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. I think I met you when I was like twenty. Yeah, yeah. You we, know, we were pretty I'm like twenty. Yeah, yeah, we were twenty. Yeah, we're like I'm twenty-six, and I'm about to be twenty-seven. You know, my mindset has changed. I want a family. I want a husband. Right. Um. I want stability. I feel like with, with my same-sex relationship, I, it was never stable because there's two women. Right. You know, the emotional, emotional, um, you know, um, you know, the balance. So I'm, you know, always off. Right. Um, so I, I feel like just seeing my mom's health decline, like she was bedridden. I, I can count the number of times she was, um, was walking and stuff. Like it really like started me like, okay, I got, I got to change for, for my mom. Like she's not going to always be here. Like, right. And so it's it, honestly, death, death kind of, kind of encouraged me to change the way I was living because I knew that we're not going to always be here. We can't always put things off until tomorrow. Yeah, dude, that's deep. That's, that's true. That's, that is pretty deep. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, so, it, I'm yeah. sorry for your loss and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that it took Thanks, something traumatic as losing your mom to, you know, for you to realize that, but that's deep it, that that's your testimony that a loss is what brought you closer to Christ and changed yeah. the perspective of like, what am I doing with my life? I think that's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I actually have another homegirl I worked with. She was going through the same thing. She was, um, I, I know she still has a girlfriend though, but okay. she hasn't let that time, but she, she's let go of the tomboy fight. Like she's starting to be more feminine, the, the baggy clothes and all that is gone. So I, I, I know she's came to me asking me like, how did I transition back into, you know, being a feminine woman instead of being a more dominant woman, as we per se. Right. Um, and I was and I was just like, you gotta love yourself. You gotta find who you were and what makes you happy. And right. you can't. And unfortunately, your friends, your your same sex friends, may not understand exactly the things that are going through. And and unfortunately, you will. You might you know have backlash. I know I did, but I'm I'm so strong headed strong-minded that I don't I don't allow what people say to get to me because at the end of the day they're going to talk about you regardless that's powerful so that's powerful so I guess going back to the beginning I when I came out to my mom I was in high school and uh my dad when I told my dad it was like I told him I got like a new pair of shoes he was not phased at all he was just like I love you regardless as long as you're happy I'm happy um, a lot of my siblings, you know, I guess already knew or hinted towards it. Like, they were just like, we were just waiting for you to say something. So I've always wow. been a tomboy, period. Um, like, that's just, I always like sports. I always like getting dirty. I always like, you know, clothing. That was just like a part of who I was. Um, and then when I got to high school, I felt like uh, my senior, in my junior year going to my senior year, I felt like it was uh I just didn't want to have to like you know live the lie that I that I yeah. like dudes because I really wasn't fascinated by them. I don't think that I was necessarily disgusted by them. I think I just saw them more as like friends than I did as uh, partners or companions in any sense. Um, so when right. I told my mom, you know, uh, I would say she's like outwardly. She speaks outwardly about how she feels about things. You know, it, I feel like if 
any of my family members weren't like as welcoming about me liking girls they wouldn't have said it but my mom kind of like put it in the perspective like you know this is not of God, you know, stuff like that. I mean, eventually she came around to the idea that, you know, if this is who my daughter is, this is who she is. And I love, I should love her regardless. Um, so throughout college, like when I met you, I think I was like my freshman or sophomore year of college. And I, you know, was comfortable. Like, you know, I had in my head for religion, standpoint everybody struggles with a sin so what's different than my sin and your sin you know what I mean so like I didn't see the need to change um and then you know I just kept growing in my relationship with Christ and uh went away for a internship with Chrysler in Michigan and I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Stephen um that's the church I was attending at the time Elevation and he was talking about the um, prodigal son how like you know the how the father welcomed the son that left with like open arms and you know even though he challenged his father to give him his inheritance early and he spun it and lived a life he shouldn't have too early too soon his dad still looked past all of his like faults and welcomed him back into his life and I was like wow God that was like really good and it was like an internal dialogue that me and God had and basically he was like you let me operate in every area of your life but this one you know like your same sex attraction and I was like I was born this way God I can't think of a time where like I didn't find women attractive and he was like everybody's been born in this end and honestly I ne- that never occurred to me you know what I'm saying like once Adam and Eve went against God, everybody after that was already born into that sin. So we already are sinners when we first come out. There's no way that we come out of this womb fresh as white as snow. No, you don't have to teach a kid how to lie. Like, they just learn it. And lying is a sin. So, like, we all are sinners. And my sin that I struggled with, even though I claim to have been born with it, um... It doesn't mean that God shouldn't be allowed to operate in that life or you shouldn't surrender that part of yourself, you know? So I, uh, while I was in Michigan, I was just like, all right, God, well, like, you know, I'm not going to like dudes overnight. They're, you know, they're just good friends. I don't find them attractive, whatever. And so after that, I committed to two years of celibacy. I was like, I'm not going to date anybody. I'm not going to have any relationships with anybody. I'm just going to focus purely on God and I think that's when I like you said during your time of discovering God more you found yourself and your level of comfortability and what you really wanted out of life you know what I mean and that's when I really started to like hustle and following after God because you don't know when today you know what what if tomorrow is promised it's not so you have to you know continuously like die to yourself and your flesh and what you want and seek out what God wants for your life. And I I mean, we're all human, right? So we have days when we don't pray or don't read or don't consider God. But I think in the grand scheme of how we operate or what we choose to value more in our life is where you can tell if God is present. Um, So like, like my decision to be celibate for two years and then, you know, committing to this wonderful man that I'm married to, I think that was, you know, me dying to 
my desire for women. So like for you, for me, I know personally, it's not that my sin has gone away, right? Like I still find women attractive. I just don't engage or like strive to gain that attention from them. You know what I mean? Is do you still yeah. struggle with that attraction, or you kind of like over it? Uh, I'm still. I mean, I let it go, but again, it's 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 oh god, it's too many thousands. But it's like um, it's like I I'm still I'm still battling. Yeah. I, I I told myself like this is the last the last girl I was with was like my last relationship because I really do want to. I will say I really do want to date men, and I haven't I haven't dated a man in my adult life. Right. All right. So it's something I I want. It's something that I'm I'm wanting. But mm-hmm. I know I know right now that I I have to take the time to heal and self reflect on some other things that I need to change. You know. Yeah. No. And I feel uh, like that's that's a very mature and um, aspect that you're looking at it. You know what I mean? Like you're not trying to rush anything, but you know you have like a goal or desire, and uh, now, I know you said, like, you you like a husband and, like, kids and stuff. Now, is mm-hmm. that because biblically it's seen as a goal to be married a thing, or is it because you do have a desire for men? Like, because I feel um, like there's a difference. I, yeah, um, it's always, always, you know, I'm, I grew up, like, old school, so, like, with I always wanted my, like, I always wanted that family, like, right. the, the father's there, the household, the children. I always wanted that. Right. But I knew that but how I was, you know, my perspective and how I was given all, you know, my perspective with, with my demeanor, it, it wasn't going to happen. That's why some things had to change. Right. Um, but I, I do want a husband and kids. And I, was, I just think that is something I just grow up grew up on you know my father was there in my life you know my mom was there and they went to church deacons and all that so it's like I want I want that same thing I want the same thing but it's kind of hard finding that in the generation we're in like I agree I don't I think agree. men I don't I don't know how many I, like, I ask guys now like do y'all see yourself being wanting to be a someone's husband or like right it's right. so hard yeah it is it's, not, it's, it's definitely difficult so like for me Back to the question of, like, desire versus marriage. For me, when my husband, uh, after my two years of celibacy, I was like, you know, me and my husband were still just friends. We weren't even dating. For me, I just didn't have the desire for a man. Like, I just didn't see them attractive at all. Like, I was just like, I just see you as a person. I really don't see your gender. And then when I think about all the things that make you a man, it wasn't very attractive to me, like facial hair and like body hair right. and all in the odors and all of that grossness. It was just not attractive <laughs> to me. Right. I'm used to like women that keep themselves nice. So like all the things that right. make a man a man, I didn't like. Um, so me and my husband went through, a, like even while we were dating, it was a slow progression. I was thankful he was very patient with me for me to see him for a person first before I saw his, his who like him as a man you know what I mean um like I just saw his genuine desire to love me for who I was and my husband knew I was a tomboy he's date he's seen me like date women he's seen me with the boy's clothes he's seen me long boy like he's seen me 
in this stage in my life and he still found me attractive. So for me, yeah, right. It was crazy because I feel like society tells us that for a man to be attracted to a woman, they have to be this preppy, well put together, manicured person. But my husband really didn't have the desire for that. Not that, you know, he didn't help soften me by any way. Because, you know, if you see on my Instagram, I have pictures with me in dresses and like in cute girly clothes and some 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 of them. And some of them you see me in shorts, a t-shirt and a snapback. And that's just the way that I dress. And I, I think that society has taught us that as women, we have to be super feminine. And we can't have this like laid back, uh, tomboyish like um, appearance at all to be attracted to a man. And I don't think that's like necessarily true because I mean, unless I'm living like you know an anomaly, like my husband doesn't care if I come downstairs in you know shorts, t-shirt, and a snapback and some sneakers. He's like, oh, cool, you look beautiful. But if I come downstairs with like, a dress flip-flops and you know a nice like uh accessories he still thinks I'm beautiful so there's no like change for him but for me loving him as a man first and gaining that desire for him was big for me because I didn't see men as desirable or attractive or something that I wanted like physically I didn't see that at all but I did see his heart and his patience and his genuine care for me, that's what I think attracted me most to him. So that's why I meant by like, do you have a desire for men? Do you find them attractive? Or do you find the idea of marriage more attractive that you accept that it would have to be with a man? Mm-hmm. Gotcha, that's the question. Uh, no, I, I find guys attractive. Okay, like, cool. Yeah, I find so them gotta, attractive. Um, you, got, you over one speed bump already. We just got to find you a good man. That's all. We over the speed bump. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> now nah, it's, it's hard. It is definitely hard in the dating world now. Um, we, I, we have some single friends, and we do have a lot of married friends. Um, we built a very big uh, church community when we were at Elevation, and we kind of stuck with those people for the long haul. And a lot of them were dating and now married now. So I, I can only imagine. And then now the single people that we talk to, like my husband has single guy friends and it's very challenging for them to find a good equal. Like these are guys that have like degrees, nice cars, good jobs, but they can't find when they see women, they don't see wives. You know what I mean? It's like, and just like how you're saying, when you, you talk to your guy friends, you're like, do you think people want, you to be their husband like you're not living up to that expectation of you know what a husband should look like so yeah i I can understand the struggle so your your upbringing or your vision of family was much different than my vision of family growing up like i grew up with both of my parents in my household and a loving committed marriage stuff like that we went to church but with me being attracted to girls growing up, I've always imagined having a wife and kids. I never imagined having a husband and kids. Like, the what I'm living out now was never a vision for my life, so that's how I know this is nothing but God. Um, All right. So, 
that's interesting that so that you have always had the vision to be married to a man and have kids, but you dated women most of your life. Mm-hmm. So yep. how did that play a part? Did that all ever um, create like tension in your relationship? Because I guess when you're in a relationship with somebody, yep. you typically are trying to like build a future with someone and the future you're building mm-hmm. with somebody you know is not the end. It wasn't going to be the same ending as theirs. So has that ever like become a conflict? Yeah. yeah, my last relationship, like with the kids, like I always wanted my child to have a father, you know. Yeah. I want you to know that side of that family. I need to know, you know, your genes. I need to see, you know, yeah. and have that support. Right. And have that support as well. But with my ex-girlfriend, she was like, well, I don't mind going to the sperm bank or, you know, having that and my, me and my partner, but it's like, later on when we were dating, her, her perspective kind of changed, like, well, you know what, you, you maybe you're, you are right, maybe we, I should, you know, you know, look into having it with a guy, because at the end of the day, your child is going to grow up and ask, hey, mommy, where's my, where's my daddy, right. and that's a conversation I don't want to put my child into like and then you know growing up you know things are different now society has you know normalized same sex you know parenting but growing up when we was in middle school I remember one girl she had same sex parents and she got picked on and bullying is is, is something that I don't want my kids to go through just because of a choice I made I yeah yeah I could see that yeah I mean I I like you know I think do you think that it makes it harder for people that struggle with same-sex attraction to identify their struggle as a struggle within, like, a Christian community because the world has normalized it so much? Because we have legalized same-sex marriage, because we have allowed uh, adoptions and stuff to take place easier with same-sex attraction. Do you think that it's harder now to reach the community of people that are same-sex attracted due to how the world has normalized it. Do you think that's harder? Yeah. Or, yeah, I I see that as yeah. well. I agree. Um, and I also think that because the church is preaches same-sex attraction so heavy and so negatively, mm-hmm. I think it's hard mm-hmm. for them to even want to engage as a same-sex attracted person. Like, I've had a personal experience where I was in college and volunteering at a church, um, and I was a youth leader there, and I never spoke outwardly about my same-sex attraction, and I never, like, you know, posted it online or anything. Um, but my, I had another friend that also was volunteering at the church, and he, he had told them about his same-sex attraction, and they had asked him to step down as a leader for the youth ministry. So I, he was like, you've been doing this longer than I have. Has this ever came up for you? And I was like, no, not, you know, I don't tell people at church about it. And he was like, oh, okay. So then I had a sit down with like, you know, the director and people of that church. And they basically asked me to do the same thing, which is step down from my leadership position within the youth. And um, until I guess I worked through the issue, but I never heard anything from them after that like it was like step down as a as a leader but it wasn't any follow-up of like they didn't have a plan on how they could reach me through that time you know what I mean 
They were just like, I know that your position as a leader isn't a good look for what we're trying to do through the youth ministry, which was fine. Mm -hmm. I think at the time I was more hurt that it happened than that I was hurt by their follow through after the fact. Like now, as a, from a mature perspective, like I never, I didn't stop going to the church. I eventually switched churches. That's why I started attending Elevation. I eventually started going to a different church. And then, um, but not until later on did I like realize I wasn't angry that they asked me or upset or frustrated that they asked me to step down. I was upset by their follow through of not continuing to reach me during that time. Oh, well. You know what I mean? I feel like at that time when you express your sin to someone and then they basically deny you the continuation of that relationship based off of me telling you telling you my sin and it comes from a Christian community, it's really hard for most people to heal from that. You know what I mean? So I think that's the way that the church uh, presents homosexuality as like this ultimately big sin um, opposed to any other sin that we don't talk about. Like we don't talk about adultery often in church and that's something that happens very frequently through any marriage you know what I mean um or lying we don't talk about you know other sins that we talk about but I feel like when we get to the big sin most we talk about homosexuality and I think that limits the reach that they have in that community just because of the way that it's preached now do you think that it's significant for churches to still preach that message Or do you think that they just need to present it to that community differently? I feel like they should present it differently because it's like they're bashing homosexuality at the end of the day. Right. Right. I think that it's a tough subject to present. I think that I don't want, I don't, I'm not a pastor, so I have no idea. But, you know, some people when you go to church, they're like, oh, I didn't like the message or the message didn't speak to me. And I think that us as technically we're consumers when we go to church because we're we're coming to gain something from it. So as consumers of a church, I feel like we forget that the pastor preaches a specific message to specific people and it's not to everybody all the time. You know what I mean? So it's hard to tell them not to preach about homosexuality because sometimes, you know, God might've spoke to the pastor and said, you know, there is this one person that are that's going to be at church this Sunday, it needs to hear or be confronted with this sin that they're struggling with. I I think that that's an important for them to say it. I just think that um, what gave me the best heart change, I think, was that I wasn't rejected by my family when I came out, and but I wasn't right. also accepted necessarily by my right. mom. You know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. I know what you're doing and I'm not okay with it, but I'm still going to love you. You know what I mean? And right. I think, yeah. And I think if that message was preached better in churches, I think same sex attracted people would respond better to that message because yeah. what made me change wasn't by telling people, t- people telling me what I was doing was wrong. It was just my level of obedience to God that I wanted to fulfill. You know what I mean? Like, I grew so in love with God that I was like, I want your way way more than what I want for myself. 
You know what I mean? I can try and make up whatever version of my life that I wanted to, but if I didn't die to myself and see what God's true plan for my life was, who is the author and creator of my life, I would not be able to have embraced his vision. Like I would not have imagined being married to some a man and yet alone be happily married to a man. You know what I mean? And that also like has embraced all of who I am. Like he understands my past as dated women. And for him, that's a challenge too. Like, do you think that when you get married or start dating a man, do you feel like your same sex attraction might be a difficult topic to have? with a guy that is interested in dating um, you? Um, sometimes, like, it's, it's on and off with that because, like, it's like a split decision because I've had told guys, like, hey, I, you know, I, I have same-sex attraction. And some of them was like, they was against it. Some of them was like, well, I don't want to share you. Right. And that's understandable. They was just a person. They didn't care if it was a woman. They was like, I just don't want to share you. And then... It's some guys who are acceptable, you know, accepting of that because that's who I am. And then at the end of the day, they can't change that. But, I mean, if I'm pursuing you at that time, I'm pursuing you. That's how I am. So, gotcha. um, I have a, I, I do have a friend guy who I, I didn't even tell him. Someone actually told him uh, that I was, uh, I, I like girls. And I really wasn't going to tell him. Right. I really, I really didn't want to, you know, for him to say, well, you know, didn't accept me. I didn't want him to, to not accept me if I told him. But when he told me that he knew, I was like, how do you feel? He was like, well, I, I, I can't um, judge you on that. That's who you are. That was like, okay, cool. So, um, I, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did, uh, you can keep going if you like. Go ahead. No, I'm done. I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, I guess, so now, how do you identify now that you know that you would like to pursue a man, are are you identifying that you're bi or are you, like or do you do labels at all? Yeah. Like how do you how do you? Um, I was I would, if I had I like to go by no label because at the end of the day I still identify with the same sex. Like I would still go to you know pride and stuff like that. I. I love that. That's 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 the community that accepted me at the time when no one else accepted me. So I cannot okay. forget that community. You feel me? I can get you. But that. if I had to, yeah. But if I had to identify, I'm. I would say I'm bisexual okay. because I'm. I I still I still want. Well, I'm still trying to learn to stop entertaining the same sex understandable attraction, but but I'm I'm still. I still do sometimes. Like yeah. I'm trying not to, yeah. but you know the flesh is hard. It's hard. Oh, the yeah. flesh. I mean, it's a, like, yeah. It's definitely a, a, a level of commitment. And um, so a quote from the the uh, book that I wanted to say, which was I thought was super powerful. And so basically, the author had started going to Bible college at this point. And he was offered an opportunity to speak at a uh, conference. And when it was his time to talk, he said, hear me well, homosexuality is not an evangelistic issue. It's a discipline issue. So we must approach it that way. But we must also remember that without the knowledge of God's grace and the gift of the spirit and an understanding of God's satisfying love, 
discipline kills rather than gives life, condemns rather than convicts. Celibacy is no different. Gay or or same-sex attracted celibacy must be a response to God's love, not a legit, um, legalistic bottling up of our human desires. It is about redirected affection of a transformed heart. So from what I got from what he's talking about is the same choice that I made, which is to get myself to commit myself to celibacy. And it's not like he's saying not to bottle up our human desires, but as a redirection of that affection that I'm looking for, for a person to my desire to know God more. Like, I feel like I, during my years of celibacy, I was more content with just myself. Like I was content with like the level of love I had for myself and what I was doing with life. Like I didn't feel that I was missing out on anything without having a significant other. And I don't feel like if, like I still had, you know, moments where I were in, I was interacted, you know, I interacted with women that found me attractive. I don't feel like I missed out on an opportunity with them by not pursuing them. Like I don't feel that human desire to be wanted or um, to be desired was missed out on during my years of celibacy because I felt like I gained that through God, through my level of celibacy, through the discipline, like he said, um, of choosing God's grace and the gift of his spirit and understanding the satisfying love um, gave me more life than, like he says, killed my discipline. Like I, I felt more content. I think that was the challenge for me when I started dating my husband was that I was so comfortable with my standards and how I chose to live that it wasn't, it didn't phase me if he did or didn't agree with it. So when me and my husband started dating, uh, I was not, I was like, if I'm going to do it God's way, I'm going to do it God's way a hundred percent. So I didn't want to have sex before marriage. And I also felt like the beginning to any type of sex is with kissing. So I was like, bro, I'm not kissing you like at all until like we're married. Right, girl. He had the same, he had the same reaction. He said, girl, you crazy. So we literally were in the parking lot of Fruit Line because we lived behind it. He lived at um, Walden Station at the time, which is across from UNCC. And we were arguing about the fact that I didn't want him to kiss me. I gave up on that. I was like, okay, you can kiss me, but I'm not comfortable with it right now. So we got to ease into this whole kissing thing because, again, I find men not attractive. Not repulsive. I just didn't find them attractive. And that included my husband at the time. I mean, well, my boyfriend at the time. So he respected that boundary that I set with no sex. Like, we are not going past kissing until we're married. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, we had a lot of close calls, but we definitely did never have, we never had sex before we were married. And we date, we dated for two years and we were engaged for six months. So the first time we had sex was two and a half years after we started dating. Um, oh my God. Yes. And I feel like if I did not have the discipline and the reassurance of God's love and the Holy Spirit working toward through me, I don't think that I was, I would have been able to commit to that. 
You know what I mean? I don't think that I would have been able to be so concrete in myself and solidified in my relationship with God that his best is worth it. Like, I don't think I could have pursued no sex before marriage and and orchestrated our relationship the way that it was. And um, I think that if God wasn't a part of my husband's life and doing a work in him, right. he would not have been able to receive that from me either. You know what I mean? I think that um, the the decision that I made to fully give up the lifestyle that I had for two years without any interaction with people. And I was very clear minded of like what my desire was and what my plan for life was. And the interesting part was in those two years, marriage was not a thing that I discussed or even thought of. I literally just thought of honoring God in every aspect of my life. Um, and one of them that I knew for sure that I wasn't was who I chose to date, which were women or who I chose to support, um, uh, pursue, which were women. So I just did a, I just canceled it all together. And then there was no other option for me because I didn't find men attractive. So it was like, if it wasn't women, it wasn't anybody, you know what I mean? Um, but I think I was the most happiest and content in college when I was celibate than I was any other time in college or in high school, just because I had, the love and desire of God above the love and desire from anything else. And then dating my husband was hard because I had to learn that the desire from him wasn't necessarily bad. It was okay to be loved and desired by him and for me not to think that it's sexual because I feel like when you get that desire or want from a man, your first instinct is sex and it's not always that way especially if sex isn't even on the table you know what I mean like we're not even we're not even talking about having sex right now um, because that's you know that is not happening in the time that we're dating so um it's interesting that you stood like it, it's not interesting it I I'm un, I understand where you are in your relationship you know what I'm saying with, with your walk with Christ you know what you want but you also are aware of the struggle that you're in. And I think that is very brave of you to know where you are and being honest with people about where you are. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it could be a challenge. Yeah. I know for my husband, when we were dating, he's like, how do I know you're over it? How do I know that you're done dating women? You know what I mean? And right. I think the reassurance for him was knowing that I did go through two years of celibacy when I didn't date anybody. So... For him, it was like, well, she ain't date nobody for two years. And I know because we, we studied the same degree. We both have a mechanical engineering degree. And we both were in the same classes. So he saw that, like, I was literally not pursuing anybody for two years. Um, and then just, you know, my overall dedication to Christ and the church, he knew I was serious about if I was going to date him, there was a purpose behind it, and we were going to have to do it. God's way or no way. And I think the only reason why he received it well was because God was doing a work in his heart as well. Um, me personally, I don't identify as bi. I do not like labels at all because all of my friends know that I have struggled with same-sex attraction. And I, I, I would not 
be honest with myself if I didn't say that I don't still struggle with same-sex attraction. I feel like women are very beautiful creations that God has made. However, I don't struggle with the pursuit of them. I no longer like entertain that conversation or go past. It doesn't even go past like me like, oh, wow, she's gorgeous. It doesn't go past that because I've grown so far in my faith that I don't, I can't even fathom engaging in a relationship or flirtation with a woman intentionally that would take me away from the gift and the blessing of my marriage and the relationship I have with God now, you know? But it takes a, it takes a lot, a lot in a long time to get there. Um, but, uh, I really enjoy talking to you about this. I'm so thank you so yeah. much for being so open about it. Um, cause thank you. Cause you know, I've, I've learned a lot. Yeah, Jesus. I mean it's it's wild knowing where we came from. Get on nine one place, the most ratchet student living apartment. No, okay. Can that, to being <laughs> successful black women, you know, in love with God and still learning along the way. Um, I think that's great, and we definitely can should keep in touch more than just Instagram. Um and just yeah. you know keep it keep it popping. Like I said, this podcast is not scripted. I don't have a lineup of questions. I did not have intentions of reading parts of the book. And as you can see, we never even got to quotes of anything in the Bible. You see, you didn't even need to memorize no, any quotes. I didn't, didn't memorize any, any any quotes. I just like <laughs> this whole podcast I want it to be authentic and real. I want people to be able to talk about their honest perspectives on things. And then me express my honest perspectives on things because I feel like conversations like this, I didn't grow up having with people. You know what I'm saying? I right. never knew until now, until like in college, I never knew of women that struggle with same-sex attraction and has turned their life around for God. You know what I mean? Because in church, they talked about it being very negative and very harsh. And then in you know school, everybody was accepting of it. You know what I mean? So I never heard of anybody creating the discussion of like where they where they have gone through the transition and where they are still transitioning. You know what I mean? I feel like for you, people can relate to still transitioning. You know what I mean? They still have a way to go. They've identified that with their sin that they're living in um, that they want to overcome. They just haven't gotten over that hump yet. But they but they have the desire, you know. And then me, who has gotten over it but is not denying that I still struggle with it. You know what I mean? Because I feel like some people think once you've gotten through, once you're done sinning, you're done um, struggling with it. But you're not done struggling with it. For me, it's going to be a constant struggle for probably the rest of my life. But I'm not continuously sinning in in action of it. I'm not going to continuously engage in it. But I will always struggle with it. And I thought, you know, since I'm reading the book and it happened to be Pride Month, it all just tied together that I felt like this podcast needed to be had. So, um, again, I truly appreciate your time. I'm going to let you go. But um, I look forward to having more discussions with you in the near future.